Hello, friends. It's Wednesday, June 28th. Chapo coming back at you. Uh, just a little bit of housekeeping at the top of the show. If you live in Montreal, you're in luck. Our show there isn't sold out. It was just a fuck up uh, with Ticketmaster. Uh, probably the, the, all the requests for tickets throttled their system, similar to Taylor Swift. But, you know, when you're on our level, us and Swift, um, sometimes Ticketmaster can screw up. So I'm here to let you know, if you live in Montreal, our Montreal show is not sold out. Tickets still available at chapotraphouse.com slash live. And before you ask, yes, it will be bilingual. We will do the show once in English, and then we'll come back and do it in French. Okay. Well, let's, uh, let's start the show for today. Um, today, we are returning to a topic that we, uh, that we touched upon in the uh, Monday show this week, that of sort of uh, uh, the feeling of living in a world now in which all official sources of information and authority are discredited, uh, but every source of potentially like alternative source of authority or knowledge or uh, medicine is now uh, thoroughly accepted. And to discuss this, we're joined by Matthew Hongoltz-Hetling, who has a new book out called If It Sounds Like a Quack, which uh, sort of traces uh, the stories and history of medical quackery in the United States. You may remember Matthew from the episode in which we interviewed him about an article he wrote about a town in New Hampshire that um, adopted pure, a purely libertarian uh, framework for, for local uh, town governance that resulted in the town being overrun with bears. Uh, Matthew, your new book is sort of about what if we applied libertarian principles to the last 200 years of medical science? What would occur? Uh, yeah, actually, that, that's been done at least once. And I feel like we're spiraling down towards that abyss again. Uh, uh, in the 1800s, uh, there, there was like a medical freedom push that resulted in like the abolition of all medical licensure. Uh, and that set back the medical establishment by like 30 years. And so I just kind of feel like, you know, we're coming around to that again. People sign on to a medical freedom agenda because they don't want a mask. And then they wind up endorsing a political view that is so broad and damaging that I think they just kind of have no idea what it is they're actually backing. Uh, you know, abolish the FDA, abolish the CDC, allow a, an emergency room to charge you up front. Uh, or they don't have to treat you, and on and on. I mean, I remember, like, uh, you know, when I was in high school and college, uh, a, a big fixation of mine was the uh, the push for to to include creationism in high school biology textbooks, and you know, like the the the, the seemingly widespread rejection of Darwin's theory of evolution. Um, we've come a long way since then. Here in 2023, we've moved on to now rejecting wholesale the germ theory of disease. Uh, Matthew, how did how did we? I mean, I know COVID has really like supercharged all kinds of medical paranoia, but like how how did we get to this point? Yeah, I, I really focus on like the last twenty years or so because, uh, as I say in the book, like uh, in the year two thousand, vaccines were more popular than Dolly Parton. Uh, they, they were more popular than Tom Hanks or Dr. Seuss. Like we we had a, a pretty good basis of support for public health recommendations. Um, but around uh, 2005, the uh, Health Freedom Alliance, uh, which is a, a D.C.-based lobbying organization for a libertarian view of healthcare, began to do this real outreach, like a really aggressive outreach to alternative practitioners. And, you know, on the surface, that looks like a ridiculous thing to do because 
alternative healthcare in the you know 2000s was kind of like a a hippy dippy leftist sort of culture, right? You know, like we're, we think of healing crystals and and, and that sort of thing, uh, and, and that was very much like a provenance of the left. But you know, when you're a fringe alternative practitioner, it's very seductive when a, a person from DC comes in and says, "Hey, you shouldn't have to defend the crappy science behind your ideas. Uh, you should be." reframing that debate and instead making it about the um you know the 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 god-given right of the american consumer to purchase your your crappy cure uh and that worked like magic that worked like gangbusters like all these alternative practitioners and i'm not talking like you know like yoga you know people with yoga or people who have like a a plausible treatment for muscle aches or, or something like that i'm talking about people who say that they can cure all of your fatal illnesses with some, you know, very outlandish, silly treatment, like a, a shock therapy that's going to kill all the parasites in your body, that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, like, um, you know, as you mentioned, it was the provenance of like sort of a disparate and uh, very powerless left in the 2000s. But it makes complete sense that it became what it became. And it's perfectly framed for the existing American healthcare system because it it takes it from like, this is a systemic thing that's driven by like unbridled profiteering to like, no, you just, you have to, you as the individual consumer have to know the right move and then it's fine. And if, if you have a uh, medical debt after knowing like what, what kinds of herbs to use, it's your fault. Yeah. That, that's exactly right. That, that, that is exactly the right framing. Yeah. Uh, it is also in part because the healthcare system sucks so bad, right? Uh, we, we have, so many flaws and accessibility is such an issue with legit evidence-based science-backed medicine um, that, you know, you're just kind of like opening the door and leaving this vacuum of um, need and want where desperate sick people uh, who are looking for some good news. Yeah. You know, look at these messages like, Oh, you can cure your cancer by drinking a lot of carrot juice uh, and, and really, um, you know, kind of like falling into that trap. We, we've created a trap for some of the, our most uh, vulnerable Americans. Well, I mean, I, I guess what I'd say to that is I've, I've long said, like, I, I've, I've tried to like, I start to scare myself sometimes and imagine what it was like to be born, like the vast majority of human beings who've ever been born that have been born bo like before the existence of antibiotics, like just how easy it was to die back then. And like, you know, really what a miracle modern, you know, medicine really is. But at the same time, we live in a world in like the wealthiest country in the world that has, all, you know, received all the benefits of this wonderful uh, science-based data and medicine. And we have all that, but it doesn't really seem to be helping anyone. I mean, I'm not saying like medicine doesn't help people, but like their ability to access it, not be put in debt for the rest of their lives, or just like uh, be mistreated by their, their ability to, uh, let's say, get life-saving surgery or drugs or pharmaceuticals, that it's easy to see how something like the medical industry or the big pharma can become this like this giant thing that's evil, not because that they're, you know, billion dollar corporations that are just like basically letting people die for profit, but because that like they're all phonies, they're all frauds and that they're suppressing all of this very simple, real knowledge of things that everyday people can use to cure their cancer. And like this is taking place in a world in which so much of our diet so much of what we're exposed to in the environment we live in is making us sick. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, there, there's a grain of truth um, to the critique, and that's part of what makes it so insidious and so dangerous. Um, you know, it's like the medical establishment, they get one thing right. All the, all that they get right is that they can cure you of your disease, or you know, they, they can treat you most effectively. Right. They, they, they've, uh, they can extend your lifespan, right? Like that's their whole reason for existence. Right. Uh, and that's what they do well, but they've been seriously outplayed by marketing. Uh, they, they've been outplayed by, uh, politics, you know, like, like, uh, they, they are outplayed in terms of like, you know, kind of like customer service. Uh, if you go to your doctor, uh, a lot of people, particularly vulnerable people, walk out of the office feeling like they've been treated like a piece of shit. And uh, if you go to a quack, that quack is going to wrap you in a loving embrace, right? Uh, that's that's their bread and butter. That's what they have is uh, all the stuff that's not related to whether or not they can actually cure you. Uh, and that quack is going to make a lot of money off of you uh, and ultimately send you to an early grave. That's what's so frustrating. They are also seeking your money. Like the, the critique of the capitalist uh, uh, healthcare system and pharmaceutical system extends to these people. Everybody who's, who's trying to get you out of uh, uh, the medical establishment is trying to get you into their clown car and trying to make money at some point in the process. Even if they're just give the evangelist of like a, a free cure, they are selling their guru status. Like the same uh, profit motive is warping both of these, which leaves the only thing left, the fucking scientific method, which is on one side <laughs> of these and which it's insufficient and socially tragically insufficient. But it is literally all we have to go on because yeah. everything else is equal. It's all about making money. Yeah. And the um, the argue like the half argument always put forth by like just the most annoying people in the world, like as we talked about people who you know, have as much of an idea about me as I do and want to argue about like, you know, is there mercury in this? Neither of us know, but like their, their half argument always is like, Oh, I guess pharmaceutical companies and the medical establishment is good. And it's like, no one's say no one's saying that, but like the, the reason they're bad, they're like unbridled profiteering and profiteering every step of the way, like the maximum inefficiency and, and rent seeking is only possible like if this shit works you yeah. know like it, it's that's <laughs> yeah. the only way <laughs> that any of this could work for them and, and but you you do bring up like an important point though and i always thought of this like during covid and uh when people were um like there was vaccine hesitancy rather than just outright like it's poison it's going to kill you everyone who's died after 2020 has died of the vaccine um most Americans interactions with their doctors is like, they see them once every five years and the doctor's like, yeah, uh, yeah, you're fat. Uh, that'll be $7,000. <laughs> see you in 10 years. And it's like, well, yeah, of course, of course, like public medical advocacy isn't working on people. Like what I bet doctors pull high in like whatever poll, but in, in reality, how the average person sees them is probably not that, Great. Yeah, I think people might kind of trust the individual doctor if they are fortunate enough to be in a place where they can develop a relationship with, with an individual doctor. But, uh, you know, in in the abstract, it, it, the, the field of doctors. Uh, yeah, I think there's a lot of a lot of 
uh, distrust and, and even hatred there. Yeah, but And part of that is because the American Medical Association has worked for a hundred years to restrict the flow of doctors into the workplace in order to drive up their rates, right? They, they've been the most successful professional organization in the world at elevating their professional class to like godlike levels, right? So where, where the average starting doctor salary is something like 350000 which they justify because they say, well, you know, we have a million dollars in, in medical school bills or, or whatever it is. And it's all just like a, a ridiculous system. You, you should be churning out you know, two, three times as many doctors as you're doing because there's no shortage of applicants to medical schools. Uh, and they should have uh, starting salaries that don't signal to them that they are mini god demigods, you know, roaming the earth and, and uh, curing people at, at their whim. You know, like they, they should have a much more, there should be much less space culturally and, and socioeconomically between them and the public that they treat. Yeah. And they, unfortunately, like, I mean, for rhetorical purposes, like a, a lot of people who, you know, agree with us about either single payer health insurance or more preferably just nationalizing everything, you know, will bring up like, oh, this system is suboptimal for doctors too. And, you know, that is true because the, the throttled amounts of them and the way that care is administrated does cause like a select few of doctors to take on like just an insurmountable workload of, of patients to maximize profits. But like a lot of them do want them, want it this way. You know, a, a lot of them do like the current system because of the social cash and the uh, profiteering it affords, unfortunately. Absolutely. Like that they have the, the valid argument that, the uh, AMA types have for high doctor salaries is how much it costs to become a doctor in this country and the amount of debt that they accrued six figures easy. And they yeah. say, we got, we have this on our, as fucking interns, we have this on our backs. Well, the answer is simple. You make it cheap. Yeah. Boom. Done. <laughs> we got, um, Cuba absolutely. has managed to do it. You can <laughs> yeah. educate people on anything relatively cheaply, Yeah. but that would increase the number of doctors. It would decrease their pay. And more importantly, it would decrease their social prestige. And that is at the end of the day, what they really can't be. Well, cannot yeah, say Mississippi no has half as many doctors per capita as Kazakhstan, you know, like, uh, uh Jesus Christ. <laughs> and we've got all the Fuck money. Me. We're the country with all the money and resources. And, and we can't, uh, put, put a doctor, uh, in communities the way that they can. I was going to say about about social prestige is like uh, doctors often act like they're gods because if you or a loved one is seriously ill, they might as well be. And I can imagine that feels pretty good. Matthew, one of the things I, what, what I like about your book is that it is really it's a series of character studies of like a, a handful of aspiring people aspiring to have the the power of God uh, or the social <laughs> prestige of doctors through a variety of uh, innovative innovations in the field of medicine and healthcare, which include uh, leeches, lasers, and injecting your body with acid. Not the good kind of acid, not, not, not the kind that will uh, give you a spiritual uh, awakening, but no, acid, just straight up regular acid. 
And I, I just want to like, I, I want to talk about like each of the individual characters that you you profile and you just like give give a little a little biographies of each of them because you go back because like we're living in the golden age of medical quackery and hokum now, but you trace this back to like the seventies and you follow these people over the decades and like, fairly fascinating journeys of you know, the subjects of this book. And I want to begin with uh, the first guy you talk about, which is a man named Larry Little, the laser guy, a dentist who believes in the, the universal healing power of light. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think it's, it's Lytle. Um, but Larry Lytle, he, um, he's like a South Dakotan, uh, uh, kind of like a uh, rural hero, you know, grew up in a sod house, uh, was a civic leader in his community uh, acted very heroically during like a, a horrific flood in the seventies, basketball star, military, uh, 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 service and, uh, dentist. Right. A- and then, so at one point he's kind of a good guy, uh, but then he becomes enamored with this belief that, um, the universal healing light can cure everything and that this universal healing light can be harnessed with a laser. Uh, and so he starts to manufacture and sell lasers for upwards of $12,000 a unit. And it acted, you know, it had a little controller on it, like a, like a microwave, you know? So like you enter the three digit code for diabetes, boop. Uh, and then you hold the laser up uh, there uh, to, to uh, your, your bloodstream. And it, it just heals, heals that. And it has settings for various forms of cancer and, and, and all this stuff as well. And so, yeah, I know we just spend a lot of time bagging on doctors, but this is like another category of uh, of wrong. I mean, how would how would these la- how, I mean how does how do these lasers work? It's like you just literally point the laser at your body, and you, you said you type in the setting for diabetes or cancer, and then just shoot a laser at your body. Yeah, absolutely. And it, you know, it's, it's like a I, I forget, it's like a cold laser. Um, if you do a search now for laser therapy, you'll you'll see this sort of stuff. So it's not like it's going to burn your body. It's not, they're not lightsabers. Uh, but, um, yeah, they're, they're basically just shooting light at your body on the theory that light will cause your cells to regenerate themselves and, and rejuvenate themselves. Um, and, you know, if you have a, a, you know, wherever the locality of the pain was, if you have testicular cancer, you just point it at your crotch, uh, and, and you're all good. And he he made millions of dollars selling these things. That is literally how things work in Dark Souls. <laughs> like that, <laughs> literally, like you you repair your you can repair your weapon by like shooting light at it because in the game it's like light is time. Um, but apparently that's real. To some people. like most video game stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, another guy you profile is a man named uh, Toby McAdam, uh, I, the zombie guy. And he's he's a gentleman who began experimenting with a uh, blood root to cure his mother's cancer. And this is really kind of a, a heartbreaking story about how he started to develop, develop supplements to give to his mother who who like told him that he was like that he, he had a gift for healing and then died uh, apparently never having taken his supplements. Yeah. Toby's a good example of a guy who is kind of like a practitioner of uh, false medicine as well as a victim. Uh, 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 because he basically was out there reading everything there was to read on all these herbal remedies and believing the most extreme form or the, uh, t- 
top of the range for every claim he saw. And so, yeah, he, he developed a, a treatment program for his mother um, uh, who was suffering cancer, watched her die, didn't understand why his medicines weren't prolonging her life. Uh, and then, you know, went on to continue to treat other other cancer patients. Yeah, that this had, he was kind of like a, a little bit of drift in life uh, before he started selling these treatments. And the treatments really were like an integral part of his, his identity. You know, like this, this was, you know, how he went from waking up in the morning as, you know, the guy who uh, ran a failed sandwich shop to waking up as the guy who could cure cancer. You know, that's a much better uh, thing to wrap yourself in. And, you know, he, he uh, went on to treat hundreds and hundreds and thousands of people. Uh, and it took the government like roughly 10, 12 years to, to shut him down uh, after he came on the radar. It, it's uh, another example of how ineffective the government can can be. But then you call him the zombie guy. And that's actually a, a really interesting point because – uh, something I did not expect going in was that he was not, you know, he told me that he thought zombies were real, you know, that, that flesh eating, uh, brain eating zombies were real. And I thought, okay, this is just another facet of this guy's quirky personality. But then when I started talking to the other healers that I profile, more than half of them also told me that zombies were real. Uh, and uh, so I, I kind of delved into why that might be for a little bit. And it was basically like a, a side effect of, um, you know, the, the kind of yes and principle that, that's operating in these uh, alternative medical fringe communities of like, yeah, I'm not going to contradict anything you say. So you better say the most extreme thing to hold my attention. Well, what is I mean, like if if belief in the existence of zombies is is widespread in the alternative medicine community. My question would be, what's holding back the zombie apocalypse? Because everything we know about zombies, at least from you know film and television, is that once it gets started, it spreads pretty quickly. So, like, what's containing the the zombie uh, outbreak? Do they have a uh, they have a theory as to why that is? They they, they have they have a lot of different uh, incompatible ideas about where the zombies are coming from, what creates them. Uh, what stops them? And, and, and yeah, so like there's there's a hundred different answers. Yeah, I, I was uh, listening to your podcast not that long ago with Will Summers, and he was talking about some of the the more uh, nutty QAnon expressions of QAnon conspiracy theories. And this is like that. Yeah, you know, like you you don't need a concrete body of knowledge that can be tested. You know, it just keeps on kind of like shifting and changing with the circumstance. It, it's like the the uh, people who are always predicting a doomsday. Like uh, they, they wake up the day after doomsday and say, well, that didn't work. But then they don't dwell on that. They just go to the very next uh, day of, uh, of doom where yeah, it'll be a week from now or a month from now or whatever. So some of them think that the vaccinations uh, allow the government to flick a switch to turn people into zombies, uh, but just for whatever reason, have not yet activated. Some people believe that the zombies are being uh, beaten back by secret fighters, squads and that sort of thing. Uh, and that they've always kind of been uh, try trying to intrude, but keep getting covered up by the government, et cetera. It's it's it, it's the the basis of this. The reasoning here is the kernel of all truth within conspiracy thinking, but also the central flaw, which is that it is an attempt to turn a metaphorical truth into a real concrete one. Because, of course, society is metaphorically turning people into zombies, you know, in a broad <laughs> cultural sense. 
what they are not doing is actually literally <laughs> turning people into zombies. And I think the fact that the word literally has been reversed in its meaning popularly <laughs> contributes to this. Like we've lost that metaphorical plane to like discuss reality. So it's like if we're being zombified, we are literally being zombified and we can like control it or reverse it or whatever the fuck. I was just going to say the, the other thing that makes it su such a, a dangerous uh, and, and uh, frustrating belief is that they all somehow or another wind up believing that the zombies are disproportionately liberals and Democrats and progressives. And that therefore uh, when, when these sorts of strings of thought get picked up in the survivalist communities and the gun rights communities, they're all basically arming for a day against this democratic zombie uprising. Uh, and that's, that's what makes it, that, that's when it gets really frightening. Uh, just to, to move on to another, um, another quack profiled. Um, there is Robert O. Young. He is the Mormon missionary who's married to a woman who claims to be the sister of Robert Redford, which I enjoyed. <laughs> but Robert O. Young's thing is all about, uh, pH levels and balancing your pH. Could you talk about how, how what pH levels are and how that's so important to the work of Robert O. Young? Yeah, he's basically like saying like um, pH levels, so acidity versus alkalinity, uh, you know, basic versus acidic. And he's saying that almost he he doesn't believe in germ theory. He says germ, you know, when you get a, a, a disease, it's not because a germ entered your body. It's because your body got too acidified and then some of your cells became pathogens. Right. And that's his theory. And so is this is this to, is this what's called pleomorphism? Yeah, 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 exactly right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ple pleomorphism. Or pleomorphism. It's a competitor to the germ theory of disease that was like in vogue a couple hundred years ago. Yeah, yeah. By a guy who um, basically tried to prove it by um, entombing uh, dead kittens in a jar. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in Paris, <laughs> uh, Antoine Béchamp. Uh, and so, uh, it's, it's always been a nutty theory. It lost out to germ theory for good reason. All that, all that time ago, but this guy, Robert O. Young, he kind of like resurrected it and, uh, adopted it as his own. And so he advocates, you know, some healthy stuff, you know, don't, don't eat acidic foods, uh, uh, fruit and vegetables heavy on, on the veggie smoothies, that sort of thing. But then he also says, hey, I can cure your cancer if you come to my miracle ranch, pay me $6,000 a night, and I will inject you with baking soda. Uh, and uh, that will you know, kind of uh, really reduce the levels of acid in your body. And then your cancerous tumors will simply go away. Uh, and, you know, and meanwhile, he's advocating that you know, taking a biopsy or um, chemotherapy or removing a tumor that these things are all health hazards that will increase the acidity in the body. Um, so yeah, he's terrible. I mean, Matthew, it does seem like uh, cancer is really the through line in all of this. And like, you can't help but feel like a great deal of uh, a sympathy because of how really naked and defenseless we as human beings are against cancer. I mean, it's like it, it, one out of every three people Fuck is cancer. Get, yeah. They're, one out of every three people is going to get it. And when you do, it's like, you know, it's not a death sentence or whatever, but it is, it is the most common and most frightening thing. And just like, is it people's inability to deal with how frightening the thought of cancer is or seeing a loved one succumb to it that leads to these, the belief that you can outright cure cancer with uh, drinking a, a juice of some kind. Yeah. It, it's just such a, 
such a an uplifting tale, right? Like you, you have this horrific thing that frightens the the bejesus out of everybody uh, in cancer or yeah, another fatal disease. But cancer really is like the the poster child uh, for fatal disease, right? And it's just such a nice thing to hear. Like, oh, you know what? Medical science is just on the cusp of discovering what I already know, and so you can you know shoot to the front of the line at Disney World and take my cure now for a fee. And, uh, uh, you're not going to have to undergo chemo. You know, you're just going to have to, uh, drink smoothies and have me inject, uh, some, some baking soda into your, uh, lungs, or you're just going to have to administer this laser to yourself or take these herbal supplements and you're going to be fine. And, you know, uh, studies show that folks who turn to any form of alternative therapy, as can, uh, opposed to conventional die, you know, at, uh, anywhere between two and five times the rate within five years. So it's, it's, it's really, uh, really tragic. But part of this story, like and, uh, so many of these people are hawking supplements and like, you know, if you, if you like so much of political media now, especially on the right ring, right wing, if you see it, all the ads are selling you supplements of some kind. And, you know, Robert O. Young, uh, the Mormon missionary, uh, Utah is really like the, the supplement capital of the world for a lot of reasons. But, but a lot of this story also has to do with the deregulation of the supplement industry. And you talk about how in 1994, the dietary supplement industry lobbied Congress to pass the Dietary Supplement Health and Education Act. Uh, could you talk about what that meant for my ability to buy sawdust in pill form? <laughs> yeah, it made it a lot easier. Yeah, uh, uh, they, they uh, refer to it sometimes as like the Deshay Act. Uh, and it's, yeah, it, it did a lot of things to help the supplement industry. But really, like the the, the one most important thing uh, in terms of what we're talking about is that it shifted the burden of proof so that previous to the Deshay Act, if you wanted to sell a supplement, you had to, you know, test your stuff in a lab and send the results to the FDA to demonstrate that your supplements were safe and that they contained the ingredients that you said it contained and, and nothing else. And after that, uh, you did not have to do that. The burden of proof was shifted to the FDA. You could go more or less right to the marketplace and the FDA had to come to you and test your supplements, find them wanting, and then tell you to take them off the shelf. And so that, you know, of course, put a lot more sawdust on, on, on the shelf, but it also uh, made it much more profitable. And so uh, the, the marketplace was, was um, exploding. Uh, and you, you see it in supplement sales then versus now. Uh, but it also eventually led to when the libertarians began banging the drum for, for medical freedom, it got them uh, to, to kind of mainline into the Republican establishment. And a lot of Republican uh, politicians and, and media heads, they started pitching this stuff because there was money in it. Uh, and it was also you know, allied to this idea of medical freedom. And you had, you know, all of these trusted leaders within the Republican establishment and conservative media who were essentially sent telling millions and millions of rank and file Republicans that, uh, Hey, these supplements are the path to health. Your doctor is not the path to health. Uh, th this is the way to go. And that provided a really fertile ground 
uh, for for a, a very robust medical freedom movement to grow. Well, I want to get into uh, like medical freedom as an ideology, particularly now. But uh, before we get there, I, I want to talk about uh, the guy who I think is sort of the star of this book. <laughs> I, we, we, I don't think we can have time to talk about everyone in the book, but I've, I'm, of course, talking about Jim Humble, the man who is an alien. Uh, Jim, <laughs> Jim Humble. Uh, OK, and I, I bring this up, Matthew, because right before we started recording, I saw that uh, the first ever cases of malaria in the continental United States have been uh, just the discovered. first ever. Not the first it's ever. Been Twenty years. It's fine. Oh, it's been twenty. Okay, so malaria is making a comeback. There are two cases in Texas and Florida, but basically, uh, Jim Humble is a man with a cure, a miracle cure for all malaria. But so, how did he become familiar with malaria, and how did he realize? How did he realize that he was in fact an alien? Yeah, Jim Humble is like, a, yeah, he's uh, he's even a cut above the rest. He was an Alabama gold miner. Uh, in, in the 1990s, uh, he was mining for gold with this proprietary process, a secret process that he had uh, in uh, South America. And some of the people working for him at his gold mining camp got sick uh, with malaria. He claims that he gave them like essentially a water purifier uh, and told them it was an American health drink and that that cured them. And so then he basically spent the next 20 years refining this product, which is essentially a diluted form of bleach and disseminating it to as many people as he could. And he wasn't selling it directly. He was like selling instructions to make and sell it. Uh, and so that, that was uh, kind of really clever on his part because he got rich, but he was never uh, on the hook for giving someone the, this, this stuff. Uh, but in order to get going, you know, he would do a lot of stuff in other countries where the regulations weren't that good. And, and in one case, he went to like an African prison and bribed the administrators there to allow him to treat the prisoners with his bleach drink. And when they started vomiting and, and having diarrhea, his takeaway was, oh, look at that. Vomiting and diarrhea are part of the uh, mark of transitioning to better health. Uh, yeah, that, that's how, how tied up he was. Um, the toxins he, are being purged. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The toxins being purged. Uh, no pain, no gain. Uh, so he believes that he was an alien from the Andromedan galaxy. And he has this whole mythology. It, it's like as dense as like Star Wars canon before the Star Wars canon got cleared out by Disney. Uh, and uh it's like, yeah, you know, there's a evil ruler named Manzanora who's got an empire of 55 planets. Uh, they, he lives on a, a planet called the planet of the gods. They brought uh, all the all the water and all the animals to Earth in a prior body. Jim Humble met uh, the biblical Eve and, and helped to cure her uh, and on and on and on. And so, like, there's this a battle dime. between good aliens and, and bad aliens. Uh, and he's a good alien, uh, and his method of um, fighting the bad aliens is to make everyone drink this this bleach stuff. Well, if you're um, if you're enjoying an ocean, think a trucker. <laughs> <laughs> that is one long haul. Yeah, bring all the water in the world, <laughs> the planet of the gods here. I also like. I also like that the benevolent alien from the planet of the gods wants to help humanity by testing bleach on African prisoners. 
<laughs> I know you, you say you say that he was sort of selling like um not not directly his miracle mineral supplement, but teaching people how they can create their own miracle mineral supplement. I just want to read this section from the book. It says here, the miracle mineral supplement of the 21st century. He encouraged people to make their own MMS. First, he said they should obtain 100-pound barrels of sodium chloride, which cannot be legally purchased by individuals. You might be able to find a local business that will receive the sodium chloride for you and let you use their name, the alien wrote. He also had advice for those wary of ingesting a bleach-like solution based on the say-so of a best-in-the-world but somehow cash-strapped gold assayer selling ebooks on the internet. Quote, if it scares you to take it, he wrote, Try giving it to your dog first. <laughs> but, uh, you know, like I, you, the book is mostly from the perspective of uh, of of the quacks. But I mean, like you, there is you do you do profile someone who is was a victim of them. Uh, could you talk about um, Callie, um, the, the woman who, uh, you know, sort of uh, was influenced by the claims of Robert O. Young, the PH guy? Yeah, yeah. Um, she is one of two victims that that, that I uh, kind of profile in depth. And, you know, she was like a free spirited Californian natural living uh, uh, young woman who had uh, who was predisposed to disbelieve in or to distrust conventional medicine because she came from kind of a, a commune type uh, atmosphere and she got cancer. She reached out to Robert Young uh, because she'd been told that, um, you know, conventional doctors were the devil. Uh, and he took her under his wing and he treated her and uh, over a period of years and interpreted her lab results for her uh, when, when she underwent testing for her blood levels. And, and she, you know, went through years of him and became one of his close confidants. Uh, and then. Uh, she's got this kind of like recurring back pain and she eventually goes to see a, a real doctor about her back pain, which doesn't seem to be going away. And they investigate and find that she, cancer is just riddling her body. She started off with stage one breast cancer, easy operation, easy cure, you know, uh, 95% success rate or greater. And now she's got stage four cancer, her, her hip, uh, her doctor tells her it could break with by by sneezing because the cancer's eaten away so much of the bone there, and she's still you know relatively young, and so this is um the worst and most devastating outcome that she could possibly face. And you know she's raising kids on her own; she's a single mom, uh, and even when she got that news, she didn't drop young entirely at first. It took like uh, several months for her to go from kind of like. Okay, well, I'm going to do chemo, but also follow Young's program. And only after you know months and months uh, did did she uh, really cotton to the fact of what a scam his whole program was. Uh, and so she wound up suing him, got a historically large medical uh, or uh, monetary settlement, which um, she has not collected a penny of yet. And he went back to treating cancer patients after uh losing that that court case well really one of the probably the most one of the most evil things in, in the book is um after you know like she um 
you said like her back pain led to a, a like a dramatic cancer diagnosis that her body was riddled with cancer and that like her femur was like one third the size it was like a couple of years ago. Uh, she undergoes chemotherapy and, you know, like the, the, her cancer goes into a dramatic remission. And she sent those lab results to Robert O. Young, who then posted them in the advertisements as a before and after of using his miracle cure for cancer. I think, I think yes. that might have been one of the things that uh, maybe pushed her over the edge. So shitty. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was like but, a, a really defining moment for her. But it, it's here where we get into this idea of like medical freedom as a political ideology, which has certainly gained uh, a great deal of momentum and like, you know, passionate. It's become a pat, like a real, a real impassioned source of controversy and debate in American society, particularly because of the COVID vaccine mandates. And, you know, like uh, medical freedom is becoming more and more of like a buzzword, uh, certainly in right wing politics, like all these things, like it, it sounds like a good concept, right? Like something that we can all agree on, which is that the individual is sovereign over their own body and that they have a right to determine whatever course of treatment or not treatment uh, they want. But what medical freedom really means is not the, the ability of the individual to determine themselves like the best health care. It's the freedom of the person selling them quack health care to advertise totally false information to desperate dying people, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like not only does it protect some of these quacks and allow them to prey on the American public, uh, but even outside of those transactions um, that, that are so damaging and, and giving them some legal cover, it just is a much, much broader agenda. You know, they, they don't want to fund any can and no government funded cancer research, you know, no, no um, medical research funded by the government. I mean, like and without medical, re medical research funded by the government, that does away with pretty much every medical advancement of the last 50, 60, 70 years or 100 even. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um, and it they would also say, uh, okay, we shouldn't have any state-sponsored licensure of medical practitioners, right? So like your university uh, degree for your medical doctor is now no better than a guy who says, you know, I, I got my certificate from a mom and pop doc shop, you know? And, uh, you know, also when it, when it comes down to libertarians, it, it really ultimately does come down for them medical freedom, the freedom to buy and sell human organs at a market rate. <laughs> I mean, like you give one example of uh, someone who, like the, the idea that um, uh, uh, like uh, re recipients of organ donations is not determined. Like you can't buy your way up the list. And libertarians yeah. would say, why? Why not? Like I have more money. Of course, I should get that heart because I can buy yeah. it it's at a premium. The market has decided. Yeah. Yeah. They, they just want free market everything. And, and you know, uh, uh, yeah, if you have a heart attack, you're not going to have a municipally funded uh, ambulance service, right? Uh, you, you're going to have to buy into an ambulance service or more likely you're going to have to drive yourself to the hospital and bring your wallet because they don't have to treat you anymore. Because uh, instead of the precept that they uh, they have to treat everybody, uh, they, they're instead going to be allowed to just refuse you uh, if you can't prepay. It's like a horrific dystopian form of medicine. I don't know who it would be good for. Well, rich people, I suppose. <laughs> well, and talking about, um, like, you know, like uh, th this current moment that we're in, I thought another interesting part of the book is you, you bring up the idea that, like, research into uh, supporting the COVID vaccine or uh, hating it or being afraid of it 
And, and the research found that political identity dictates vaccine opinions, not the other way around. So meaning that uh, liberals didn't really support the vaccine because they loved and believed in science so much. It was because like, basically the political milieu and influences that they take in told them that uh, taking the vaccine made you a good liberal and vice versa. Because you talk about like what were the implications of that and the way we talk about vaccines is now a, a really like a culture war issue. Yeah, it, it's bizarre that it's become politicized in the first place. Um, given where we were 20 years ago, when I mentioned at the top about vaccines being more popular uh, than, than Dolly Parton. But, you know, it, I think it kind of goes to this whole idea of, um, you know, false equivalency. You know, we, we have two bad political parties uh, and that is where conservatives want to end the conversation. Uh, but in fact, within one of those two political parties, uh, the, the democratic one, you had, leaders who were almost universally advocating for public health recommendations and to follow the best science that that was available uh, through those early stages of the COVID pandemic. And on the other, and, you know, had been saying more or less the same sorts of things, uh, though less pointedly for the 20 years leading up to the the COVID pandemic or the onset of the pandemic. Uh, And on the other side, you had a lot of leaders and influencers within the, the conservative media landscape who were profiting directly off of the sale of supplements and fly-by-night treatments, right? And so they were out there uh, w- with the opposite message for the years leading up to the pandemic. And then when the pandemic came, a lot of actors within the medical freedom uh, infrastructure that, that had arisen over those 20 years were just so well poised to seize on on the pandemic. Uh, and so basically, you know, they, they were sending different signals and those different signals are what shaped the rank and files opposition to vaccines. It, it was not the other way around. There weren't a lot of vaccine hesitant people who convinced politicians to say they're vaccine hesitant. It was a lot of vaccine hesitant uh, messaging going out from those political leaders that, that essentially, you know, uh, brainwash is maybe too strong a word, but persuaded uh, the, the rank and files that uh, that this was the way to go. Another big through line in, in your book is belief and uh, religious belief in particular. I mean, we encounter the eternal optimism of uh, the Mormons. Uh, we have, you know, like the kind of uh, the, the set rigidity of um, your fundamentalist faith healers and then just kind of the the all all purpose inventiveness of uh, Manzanora and the planet of the gods as like, a, you know, a, 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 an original belief system. But like, is there is there a connection like because one, one, one doesn't necessarily have to be a religious fundamentalist to fall prey to this stuff, because I think we're seeing now among young people who are like increasingly non-religious, they seem just as susceptible, if not more so, to all kinds of, you know, uh, <laughs> witchcraft and hokum and quackery uh, that they're exposed to on the internet. But like, do you think there's a, like, how, how do you see the connection between religious belief and quack medicine? Yeah, yeah. I think um, what you find is that like the, the people who have no religious beliefs and the people who have a very devout religious belief tend to follow the science more so. Like, like, like some of the, the very devout, um, like kind of mainstream Christians are kind of paradoxically like into the idea of institutionalism, right? And they are, you know, if you go to, to, to the, lead, the, the most central leaders of the church, they're often 
uh, more reasonable about that sort of thing, or, or like the traditional church, I should say. Uh, but then you have a lot of people in the squishy middle uh, that the kind of like, uh, yeah, they, they maybe don't go to church services regularly, but they really like getting on a high horse about, you know, homosexuality or, or whatever it is. Um, and it's that sort of like cultural religiosity that I think is really more problematic than the, the, the kind of like pure and authentic traditional religiosity that, uh, that, that used to hold center stage not that long ago. I mean, like in, in the people who are, I mean, is there sort of a, an average demographic profile of the people now who are, are most into alternative medicines? It's, it's pretty well spread out. Um, you know, there, there's definitely some uh, on the left and, and some on the right. Um, but what's very different is that uh, now it's a, it used to be a large majority of the left. Now it is a slight or, or you know, not very slight, you know, like now there are more conservatives than liberals. You know, it, 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 it skews to the right now. Uh, it, it's biased to the right. And I think that's a trend that is probably going to continue and become more extreme uh, as time goes on. Unless uh, you know, uh, uh, RFK uh, but becomes our new leader. Well, I mean, yeah. And then it's only just going to be universalized barbarianism. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. And this is what it, I mean, th this all makes sense in the in the context of the failure of the Bernie Sanders campaign, the failure to create Medicare for all as like a political horizon to move towards with that gone with it off of the fucking chart. Not going to happen. Then people are left to some sort of political answer to this impossible problem of healthcare, And this is the only answer now on the board. So people are going yeah. to take it because adhering to traditional medicine is also increasingly insane to do. Yeah, pro progressives need that positive thing to strive towards. Uh, and that is definitely, I think you're right. It's Medicare for all. It's universal coverage. It's more accessibility. It's, uh, you know, knocking down the barriers between the people and the doctors that are making the whole system so fugazi. And that is the thing that, for me, disqualifies RFK for any kind of consideration to be taken seriously, is that he's got this wild man agenda to blow the mind of Squaresville, Washington and like blow the lid off of all this corruption. <laughs> but uh, Medicare for all, that's a bridge too far. We got to be realistic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, RFK, RFK is great because he combines like all the worst parts of fringe crank rape, mm -hmm. all the most embarrassing, annoying, boring parts. But then everything, anything that isn't like telling you to take St. John's wort for cancer is, <laughs> is like, um, just literally everything John Delaney ran on. <laughs> Matthew, like in, in, in researching this book and, uh, you know, uh, uh, talking to these people you profiled and like exposing yourself to all of these, you know, uh, fairly novel um, I, I ideas in the field of uh, medicine and health. Did you find yourself like in any of the weirder uh, sort of uh, hokum miracle cures that you uh, that you discovered? Did you find yourself at any point wondering if maybe that there was something to them? You know, because like I, I find myself wondering this myself all the time. Oh, sure. Like she that's real shit. She is real. <laughs> you didn't make that up. Yeah. Build your house with doors facing. You. Right. She she is real, but like useless for any American. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing is that you need. You need you need a different like literal spiritual and and, and grounded context to make chi work for you. 
You're not just going <laughs> that, to be some right. bozo that's in America right. going, I'm going to look into this chi business. Is there a pill I can take? Yeah, you can't, yeah, like, so you, can't get ho- you can't get home from your job at like Aetna Health and then be like, oh, it's time for my chi lesson. You need a completely <laughs> different life. Yeah, you can't be doing that shit at Buffalo Wild Wings. <laughs> no, the, the, uh, I found that there were some grains of truth to some of the to some of the things, right? Like, but when they when they abandoned scientific pretense right they they basically threw out all of the scientific evidence that may have supported some value for their product uh one of the the folks uh that i profile in the book uh i call the leech lady or the leech queen pin uh and she cures everything with leeches and there is some science uh that shows that yeah hospitals still use them for certain things hospitals have leech tanks yeah man uh they uh uh, they secrete this uh, anticoagulant and they suck blood. So they're good for like the reattachment of like a severed finger or something. They do it in a very delicate, localized way that machinery can't match. Um, so, you know, leeches do have a place in medicine, arguably. But, um, you know, the, the folks that I profile, they just extrapolate from that. Uh, and what I really uh, I kind of lump it under the, the rubric of uh, one true curism. You know, that they, uh, the difference between these little strings of truth. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. They've got the silver bullet and that's when, you know, it's, it's bullshit. You know, you're saying, uh, RFK, it's like, oh yeah, no, I got nothing for you on healthcare. He does have a healthcare plan and it is to legalize all this shit. That's it. (laughs) That is the Robert F. Kennedy Jr. approach to healthcare. Legalize all the crank shit that is all cons because the cons rise to the top in the profit motivated system, like in neoliberal collapse and decay. You have this leading edge that's just like the crooked remora uh, on the like formal state. You've got and uh, in healthcare, it's all this stuff. In uh, finance, it's Bitcoin, which what a shock! RFK also supports or or bringing into (laughs) regulatory frameworks. He wants to legalize all just these these scummy con artists at the edge of the decay of all of our institutions. They already did it to uh, fucking schools, and now they're going to do it to healthcare uh, and finance. In Nevada, there is a really interesting model. There's a state board of homeopathy. So it's basically homeopaths, uh, which is a totally discredited uh, uh, form of medicine. Uh, but they are practitioners who make up the state board and they basically enforce uh, a, a minimum set of standards on their people where their uh, their members are you know, not supposed to sleep with their patients. Their members are not supposed to uh, you know, tell their patients not to see a conventional doctor, et cetera, et cetera. And that, you know, I, I, I haven't made up my mind yet about whether I think that's a good model because uh, you're, you're kind of endorsing <laughs> something that's ultimately not true. But uh, I know that the uh, medical freedom folks at, at the libertarian think tanks, they're very opposed to that because they don't want any sort of oversight or regulation whatsoever. And so it's just this, this ridiculous idea that we have a system without perfect transparency, uh, without perfect accountability. And so let's replace it with zero transparency and zero accountability. Woo! Yeehaw. <laughs> That'll show It'll work out. That'll show fine. you dad. So that, you know what? Uh, the profit incentive, the market will uh, do the regulating. The stuff that kills you will kill you. And if it doesn't, <laughs> you will live to buy the stuff that didn't kill you again. Done. <laughs> Don't need a regulatory framework. And you know, like just, just, to, just, to, I'm going to, I'm going to close out once again with the advice from uh, Jim, Jim Humble, the humble alien. 
if any of this stuff scares you, just give it to a pet and see what happens to them. And by the way, also, actually, I want to clo- I want to close with this this one quote uh, from your book that I thought basically sums up uh, the the entire the entire book. Um, it says here when she told Young to during an exercise class that the previous night's IV had given her flu like aches all over her body, he told her that was a positive sign. She was detoxing. Anytime you get <laughs> diarrhea or get sick, that was all detox. Everything that was wrong was good. So, <laughs> listener, I'm going to leave you with that. With with that, uh, the wisdom for the ages. If you are if you are shitting yourself, it is your boxy body detoxifying all of the negative elements inside of it. So, if you're sick, you're doing something right. Uh, <laughs> Matthew Hongold Settling. The book is sounds like a if it sounds like a quack, a journey to the fringes of American medicine. Matthew, thank you so much for joining us today. You guys rock. Thank you so much. Uh, appreciate it. And thank you for the voice that you provide uh, to the American public. Could not be more important these days. Well, we try. <laughs> <laughs> the link, uh, link to buy the book will be in the show description. So till next time, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Stuff we sell is just the best. Passing all consumer tests. All whole days of heaven. Oh,